Hey, Nancy. Yeah, Corey? Got some news for you. Just came out. <gasps> what kind of news? So, you watch the Arrowverse at all? Not necessarily, but I know much of the Arrow universe. So what you got? So this year's crossover event, they're doing the Crisis on Infinite Earths storyline. So they need to introduce Bruce Wayne. Like the Bruce Wayne? Like not Batman, Batman Bruce Wayne? Like just Bruce Wayne. Apparently they've cast Bruce Wayne. You know who it is? Ooh, who? It's not Nick Cage, is it? No, that'd be really cool, though. But no, it's uh, <laughs> it's Kevin Conroy. <gasps> no way! Batman's gonna be Batman. He's Batman. From the future. Da, 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 da. Nancy, did you like our new little funky beat theme song? Kind of switched it up a little bit. Oh yes, I'm always down for those sick beats. Hey. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to see which one sounded better, so I put our ending song as our theme song this week. What? But that's yeah. backwards. Well, and then our theme song's our ending song, but we're gonna see. Y'all let me know what you think of the arrangement, if you like this one better than it has been the last couple episodes. Let me know. Yeah. Anyway, we got a full docket again this week. Ooh, what's on our docket today? Well, let's see. We're going to be talking about the biggest news on the internet this week. Twitch has lost its biggest draw. In your, in your sub box, it's going to be scandalous. Just a little bit, yeah. Your sub, sub box may be a little scandalous. And we're also going to talk some TOS by another company out there. They kind of tie together. We'll get to it, though. Um, after that, we don't have a guest this week for it, but we're still getting a little political on a political thing. We're going to talk about dumbasses and dumbasses. That about sums up anything on political thing, though. Any more it does. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about U.S. Senator Josh Hawley and his build to end your life of auto-scrollers. And How dare he? How the tariffs are going to affect your pocket when it comes to buying your next console. Spoiler alert. It's bullshit. Yeah, Miss Nancy does math. I do do math. I are smart. Hey, after <laughs> that, all right, then of course we've got our weekly interlude in between there with a part three of our Novice's Guide to the newly named SummerSlam version. That's right, a Novice's Guide to SummerSlam part three. Um, it only took us this long to figure that out. Yeah, instead of just professional wrestling, it's SummerSlam because let's be honest, we're focusing on one thing and not the whole thing. How many times can I fit thing into the sentence? I mean, that's kind of our thing. Uh, <laughs> so join us in Mr. Pop Culture Junkie, Professional Wrestle Junkie himself, as we dive into the top two matches and honorable mentions on A Novice's Guide. Followed by Vigigam News, and we get to talk about the biggest news of them all. Riot is making a new IP, and it's a fighting game. Ooh. And, oh yeah, Nintendo did a couple of things too. We'll get there. <laughs> And then Miss Nancy ends us off with a, I don't know shark. how I want to describe this one. I will say it is a Shark Week thing themed PSA of the day. Yeah, it's um rather prickly. Maybe just a little bitey, but we'll get there. 
So strap in, everyone. Let's do a thing. So I guess we're going to jump right into it with our first topic of the day. Big news on the interwebs and in people's sub boxes. Ninja left Twitch. Wait, you're talking the ninja? The number one t Twitch streamer on the planet has left yeah. Twitch? Yeah, when he went to Microsoft's Mixer service. Bum, 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 bum. Oh my god, everyone's having a streaming service these days. And here so, we are. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, as of August 1st, Ninja is no longer a Twitch streamer, and he'll only be on, on, on Mixer starting on the 2nd with a broadcast from Lollapalooza playing Fortnite. Why would anyone want to watch someone play Fortnite at Lollapalooza? I'm just Why would saying... anyone want to have someone play Fortnite at Lollapalooza, which means it's Microsoft paying for him to do it, because guess what? It's estimated that they're going to be giving him between 6 to $8 million a year for three years on the contract to exclusively stream through them. Which is ridiculous. What um, in the fuck? Yeah, I wish I like could just magically acquire six to eight million dollars for playing video games on the internet. But no, we have to have a scrappy little podcast who believes that it can, and we gotta work our way up from the bottom to get to a place where maybe an ad will sponsor us, like Microsoft. Like, come on, guys, please. I. Just, I mean, okay, this is great. Good for him. I'm glad he's making money. That's awesome. I'm don't really care. I've never watched him. I I never watched Ninja either because I also give two shits about Fortnite. So Same. there's that too. So they kind of fed into each other of my like lack of caring and lack of caring about Fortnite, but. A cool six to eight million dollars for three years? Or there's other rumors that are saying that he's made out a hundred million to do it. If the whole duration is a hundred million for him to go there, that's another rumor. I, jeez. Uh, yeah, there's a lot in the air because I, th I think it's also just going to depend. So I think it's like maybe if I were to, if I were to guess, because I work in sales, is like it's like six to eight million guaranteed. But if he's able to bring in the subscribers that you know are supposed to come with ninja because you know one of the most popular twitch streamers ever um he could probably bonus so <laughs> and what's... his bonuses could reach a hundred million dollars i want to know what's gonna happen with his twitch subbers because since they're paid up most of them through a year what's going on with that that's true because you can't i mean you can and that's what's probably going to happen is they're going to, you know, yeah, you still have like your paid Twitch subscription, but now I'm going to ask you to pay for a subscription on this service instead. <sighs> I don't know, man. This is a, I tell you what, if GDQ goes to Mixer, then I'll go over to Mixer. How's that sound? But since I'd say Mixer that's is legitimately just Microsoft products to stream, so you only can stream, you can't stream a PS4 or a switch to it apparently oh it's microsoft platforms only so windows and xbox see well that's kind of silly though especially with the whole new heart harmony that xbox and switch have you think they'd allow like the switch on there because it's not like it's easy to stream from i mean they don't switch. really have any harmony they just have game share for a couple of games that they can play online crossplay with and that's about it yeah, but Fortnite I mean, that's a better harmony than 
Well, right. My point exactly. So a knife being one of them. Oh, four or five. I don't know. There's more to this mixer stuff, though. We got more about mixer to talk about. We do because on top of Ninja coming to mixer, that people are starting to look at the clothing guidelines that mixer has for its streamers, and people aren't happy. I mean, okay. So don't use it. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's one way to look at it. But basically, there's clothing guide that splits you into three sections: family friendly, teen, and eighteen plus. Um. So already that in and of itself, like, okay, you're choosing what type of audience you want to have, and that's the audience you should probably stick with. So if you have an issue with that's you know too bad, so sad. You can't say that you're a family-friendly streamer and then, you know, have all the all the goods out or, you know, be a dude and have your shirt off. Like, that's just not, not I mean, easy. people are mad because it's unfair against women. Let, let, let me just be clear here. Mixer is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft is one of the largest companies in the world that has its own reputation to look out for. If you don't like the policies they're putting forward, don't use the service. Go back to Twitch. It really is that simple. I'm actually on Microsoft's side here. They can totally tell you what you cannot, cannot wear to represent what their company represents on their streams. Because by extension, the everyday mom and dad watching streams with their kids isn't going to realize that, you know, Ninja isn't a Microsoft person working on a service that Microsoft owns. Yeah, they're just going to view him as a guy. Yeah, so it's very quickly and easy to tell you, don't use it. You know, if you're saying that it's, you know, what if I want to do this as not be an 18 only stream? Okay, well then follow the guidelines because we all know kids are going to jump over to wherever they can get their hands on to see it. It says 18 plus. Kids are going to find a way to see it. Microsoft's trying to prevent a lawsuit. Yeah, you know, and with all the Twitch does the same thing. Yeah, they just, you know... At least Mixer is at least being upfront about it and isn't just like, oh, by the way, we're going to like sneak this on you, like how YouTube sneaks everything on to its users all the time. And it's not like they're being, you know, totally against like the 18 plus category because like crop tops are still allowed. You can wear bikinis and sports bras at the gym. Um, and as long as it's like clear you're wearing a shirt, then it's fine. But you can't just like, you know. Yeah, like. Make a family-friendly stream, you can't have cleavage. Okay, yeah, because kids are going to see it. I get it. You don't want kids to see boobies. Makes sense. It's your rules. Team strain. Stream. People are like, oh, you know, can I be strapless? What if I want to? Then don't be a teenager. Don't be a team streamer. Right. It's not that hard. But a lot of people are mad about that just because, you know, and we can read some of the tweets here that um, just... Uh, from one of these users, Luxy Games, just checking in to let everyone know by Mixer's standards, the meet and greet at Disney for Ariel, Moana, and Jasmine are 18 plus. So I guess that might be an argument, but also you have to view the situation between, you know, Disney and Microsoft and also the setting. Let's also um, talk about the, the fact that people have criticized how exposed Ariel and Jasmine are in their respective movies before because they're targeted toward kids. Right. Ariel, I'll get more calling, than Jasmine. It's the pot calling the kettle black. 
I give guarantee Ariel it. I'll give more than Jasmine, though, because, like, Ariel, like, she's just, like, legit in a bra for, like, half the movie. And, like, yeah, she doesn't have, she has a tail, but it's, like, definitely a bra. At least with Jasmine, it's definitely an artistic representation. But, I mean, in, you know, Indian culture, like, showing, you know, belly is. Right. No, it is. You know, it's, it's I, culturally relevant. So that one is... I give definitely more than the little. But right, I but see where you're coming from. <laughs> exactly. It's people complain about that. I mean, we're talking about the same type of people that are probably complaining about other things that we're not going into right now. Yeah. I mean, as much as we'd love to start a war on the internet, I'm kind of tired. I'm I'm about ready to take a nap. So starting a war is going to like really cut into my sleeping time. So let's I just, just need all these Karens to stop. <sighs> all, all the Karens and the Chads. If you don't like Mixer's policies and you think it's archaic, then use a different service here. Hey, by all means, start your own and do something other than complain about it. I'm sure at Lexi Games has as many followers as we have, and if she has more, congratulations. Do something about it. Don't use the service. Boycott it. Um, create your own. Start a platform that you can do whatever you want on. You'll get an audience. Streaming is still new. So instead of complaining, do. Not that hard. Yes. That's why I started a podcast, was I was tired of certain things, and I did my own. Oh, yes. Oh, and I have figured out why Luxy Games is a little salty about the whole Mixer thing, is because she's actually a Twitch streamer. Of course. So, because right. people are going to leave the platform because the biggest name in streaming left Twitch. Mm-hmm. So now it's like Twitch is going to die, so now everyone... So Mixer. now you have two platforms that are telling you what you can and cannot wear in your in your streams. Make your own. Stop complaining. <laughs> so I guess that'll be a good way to kind of wrap this one up. It'll be interesting <sighs> to see what Mixer does in terms of putting its footprint on the streaming, you know, streaming platform genre. Um Will this be a dud and they spent a whole bunch of money for a reason? Or will it actually work? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm. It, it's going to work. People followed him. His first stream already broke his average Twitch followers that would view a stream. He had more people view him on day one on Mixer than ever viewed him on a single day on Twitch. If oh, that tells well, you, you anything. It's and a those huge numbers success. have continued. Congrats, we're moving to Mixer. Let's go. <laughs> hey, we won't get sued. Right? Because it's anyway. a totally different service. So, so I guess we want to drop a little political here for a minute because there is something idiotic going on in the world of politics, Nancy. Oh, is there now? Yeah, I think it's time to move into a brief segue into a political thing. Political thing. And yeah, so a United States senator has moved to make autoplay videos and infinite scrolling illegal. Johnny, say what now? <laughs> yeah, uh, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, and I'm going to not, you know, no, I am going to say it. Missouri, you could have had someone so much better than him who wouldn't <laughs> have agreed to want to sponsor and introduce the SMART Act, the Social Media Addiction Reduction Technology Act. Um, According to the bill, it would prohibit social media companies from using practices that exploit human psychology or brain physiology to substantially impede freedom of choice, 
and to require social media companies to take measures to mitigate the risks of internet addiction and psychological exploitation and for other purposes. I'm offended. Essentially. (laughs) No more infinite scrolling. No more top fan badges. Um, I like my top fan badges. Thank you very much. No auto-playing of videos or loading additional content that isn't a function of the service or something explicitly consented to by the user. Oh, see, now that makes me mad. It also states that icons to accept or decline certain agreements should be identical in size, shape, font, and other visual or auditory design. This is regulation for regulation's sake. Go away. <laughs> Leave the internet the fuck alone. All right, so here's the thing. I'm mad at this for a couple different reasons. And yes, like just like regulating to like definitely one of them. Don't tell me how I spend my free time. Because if I want to sit on the toilet and scroll through whatever feed I decide to click on while I'm doing my business and just continue to scroll until I finally decide to get up, that's on me. And you know, Exactly. And it's more also on there's other ways to set time on the internet. Phones have timers. Computers have timers. You have timers. You have people around you. If you're worried you're going to be addicted to the internet, seek help professionally. Don't need the government to do it the fuck for you. Definitely not. And in like this case too, if they're going to take my autoplay from YouTube away, I'm going to be really mad because YouTube is my number one service to watch anything on. It is what I... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but so I'm going to read a quote from here, okay? Okay. Quotes from Tristan Harris, the executive director for the Center of Humane Technology. So he detailed in metaphorical detail during a Senate hearing last month how some of these platforms are controlling us, and I quote, it starts with techniques like pull to refresh, so you pull to refresh your newsfeed. That operates like a slot machine. It has the same kind of addictive qualities that keep people in Las Vegas hooked. Other examples are removing stopping cues. So if I take the bottom out of this glass and I keep refilling the water or the wine, you won't know when to stop drinking. That's what happens with infinity scrolling feeds. I stop scrolling when I get bored. Yeah, me too. And I stop drinking when it starts spinning. (laughs) I stop drinking when I say I'm done drinking. It's all about moderation. Like Most of our lives revolve around the internet. Let's just not lie. Yeah, no, I use the internet for work every single day. I watch Hulu and Netflix. I don't have cable television. I have internet streaming services for my entertainment. And YouTube specifically is my number one. I watch YouTube all day, every day. And I wish that was an understatement. But at the same time, I don't. Because every morning, I will wake up and I've got creepypastas lined up to listen to while I get ready for work. So, Mr. Creepypasta, Mr. Creeps, and, like, Creeps McPasta are, like, my top three. Shout out to those guys. They're awesome. But I get to listen to spoopy stories every morning while I'm getting ready. It gets blood pumping. It gets me going. And then there are other videos that, like, I like to watch while I'm cleaning the house. I mean, and if I, I guess... have to stop and select a video to continue mm-hmm. cleaning, I'm not going to be as productive. The autoplay feature saves me so much time. Next, it's like, oh, this is what's next. Okay, let's keep working on what I'm working on. Yeah, like, I'm reading some of the things that people are posting about 
Josh Hawley's other bills, and apparently he doesn't understand how free speech works with the internet. Um, he has other legislation that's out there that, again, just doesn't understand how the internet works to make platforms to be politically neutral, whatever that means. Means? I bet um, he's one of the people that would have voted to remove anon anonymity from Reddit, which you know, it was another violation of free speech because being anonymous on Reddit was like a huge thing that passed not too long ago. And I know that we had talked about it. So I, I bet you he was against it too. You know, Josh Hawley's the kind of guy who got caught late last one night watching porn videos on nonstop play and had to blame it on something other than his depressing porn addiction. So he blamed <laughs> it on autoplay. And now he's taking it out on us. Because his wife caught him jacking off to endless scroll of porn. You liked it until you got caught, dude. It's okay. We know. But that doesn't mean you get to take it out on the rest of us. That means you need to go and talk to them and control your own addiction and not have a for you. Yeah. Seek help. Don't blame infinite scroll. Besides, if I remember correctly, you have to hit a next button on those pages. So there's no infinite scroll. Nice try, Holly. <laughs> so I think... I think that about wraps up this political thing. I, um, I, I don't think so. You don't I think so? One more thing I want to talk about today to get a little political. Oh, yes. That's right. We do have one more thing. Yeah. Guess what? Because of tariff, console prices are going up. <sighs> so if you all remember, we covered a couple of months ago. That Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony all signed a joint letter encouraging the administration of the U.S. administration not to pursue the tariffs as it would necessitate raising prices of their products. Um, yeah, and yeah, they may are. in fact go up in price for where they already are. So it I looks like it is a tariffs are bad for those who are the consumer, not for those who are the producer. Yep, because all the producer does is adjust the prices on their end to affect us on consumer end, so that way we eat the tariff, and they don't. And we're going to continue to buy it anyway, because of course we want the goods and services, but it does look like the tariff that was threatened was a 25% tariff. Yep. So that means that it's an extra 25% increase. So just think about that. The consoles are already three to $400, <laughs> if not more. And you're going to add another 25% yeah. on top of that because we're having a quote-unquote trade war. Right. So if you look at the Best Buy price of, you know, the PlayStation 4, which is still the most recent. So that means that a 25% increase on a $400 console is an extra $100. Uh-huh. You're going to pay him so 500 bucks plus the tax on top of it. Yep, and depending on where you live, because I know places like Illinois like to tax you for literally everything. And if you live in the city, then it's a double tax. You know, where we so live, it's an eight and a quarter percent tax on top of that $500. Right, so let's do some quick math here, just because I'm curious now. So if we take that 500 it's an extra $41.25 of taxes. So you are now spending $541.25 in the state that we live in for Just PlayStation for 4. That's Just no for the games. console. That's no, no games. games. No, no extra controllers. controllers no, no warranty. No nothing. It's bloody ridiculous. I went a little British there, but I 
don't care. Best country in the world. <laughs> he well, truly I mean, made they... us great again. Mm-hmm. We can't say anything bad about El Presidente. After all, for all we know, never mind. I'm not going that one. Stop. I'm. You know what? We can only go so deep. Look, here's the, here's thing. the thing. Let me let me just. <laughs> I'm gonna get this out there. So, for those of you out there who may be listening that think that the tariffs were a good idea, I really want to hear your reasoning behind it. So please tweet at me, tweet at the show your reasoning behind it, so I could try to get on see your side. Because let me be honest, discouraging the American people from buying the product from China which is what the intent of this is, works to certain things. But when you look at the fact that every electronic device, the head, from the headsets we're talking on, the computers we're using, the cell phones in our hands, the game consoles, the televisions in our homes, our refrigerators, our microwaves, nine times out of ten, those are not made in America. And if you have the American brands, they already cost two to three times as much as... Chinese ones and the tariffs aren't going to magically raise the Chinese prices to match them. We're just going to be inconvenienced to pay more. So I want to know why these are good. Someone please explain that to me so I can tell you exactly why they're not and why you're wrong because the tariffs only hurt the consumer. And you got to think about how, you know, not everyone is able to purchase a console like straight out the gate. I know like for me, like my first, like I said, and I've, I've gone on record saying this. The first console I've ever purchased was the Switch. And I pre-ordered it, and I had to save up to buy it. It wasn't just, like, something that I could just drop that money on. So then if I wanted to, you know, if I had a 25% increase on the price plus the tax bill, I don't think I would have a Switch. No, it's not it's... right at launch like I purchased it. And it inconvenience and takes away something from people who would have wanted to purchase it and would have stimulated that economy, even still, even if it's a Chinese economy product, you still got to think that they're purchasing it at a store with a person who has payroll, and that store needs to generate sales in order to get business, and they're taking money away from that economy as well. And then we are, with only Amazon left to satiate us for all our buying habits. Think about this. You really think Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft are going to pay the prices to have it made in America with how much we charge for labor when they can get cheaper labor overseas? No. They made their effort to try, and now they're going to raise prices because that's all they can do. It's short of not shipping the consoles into America. Which they're not going to do because we are still very They're going to lose a lot of money. Right. they do that. (laughs) So it's either we put the bill and they lose a small percentage of like potential, you know, potential buyers and time users of their product, and then the people that, you know, may or may not, you know, be us, because I I'm still not necessarily for this tariff thing. But if I wanted to buy a new console, I'm gonna have to just suck it up and come up with that extra twenty five percent and pay it if I want to have the goods. I mean, I guess this is just how you define making America great again. That's one way to put it. I don't know. It's just, to me, it seems that's just a waste of effort. You're, how is this, you know what? It's not helping. I I think we've said enough. I I think we have. Moral of the story is, this sucks. Yeah, woo, MAGA. Anyway, moving on, this week we have part three of our in-depth analysis of SummerSlam, which we have finally named. We have, and it only took us 
too long. Until recording part four, actually. You'll hear us talk about it. So yes. the revelation came at the end. We have the top two matches of WWE SummerSlam list. Good, good. And honorable mentions. With none other than special guest, Mr. Pro Wrestling Jim. Yes, so please stick around for part three of A Novice's Guide to SummerSlam. And we are back again with Mr. PCNJ, Pop Culture Junkie, for our Novice Nancy Guide to Pro Wrestling. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me on, as always. So, I know we've been talking about this list, and... We've gotten a little ways down, so I think it's time that we we round it out with the, the top two. Sounds good to me, and we've got two really, really great matches to talk about today on this one. <laughs> on this episode of A Novice Guy, we have Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, Intercontinental Championship match of 1991. So how about a quick rundown of that well first of all it's a match for once again one of my favorite probably the favorite title that's been in in existence in wwf wwe whatever you want to call them Uh, i've always been a fan of this title because there's so many just amazing wrestlers that have held the title and i also think it just looks the best of all the titles but this matchup was very special because SummerSlam was actually the first uh summerslam 91 was the first SummerSlam. I got to watch like from beginning to end before that, when I was a little younger, I'd see bits and pieces either on pay-per-view or we'd rent tapes and maybe catch a few minutes at a time. And then other things would happen that we had to walk away from the TV or whatever. Uh, but the importance of this match for me was uh, you had Brett the Hitman Hart. He had just finished his run as a tag team uh, competitor with uh, Jim Anvil Nightheart. They had lost the tag titles Uh, at uh, WrestleMania 7 earlier that year, and he began doing his singles run. And at this time, back in this time period, the Intercontinental title meant, uh, that's it was like your stepping stone. If you can get the Intercontinental title, you're due possibly to get a shot at the main title later on, and you got to get the Intercontinental title to get to that, though. So uh, Mr. Perfect was the Intercontinental champion. He had won it a couple times. He'd been champion for the last couple of years, ever since, so pretty much ever since the Ultimate Warrior lost it or, or forfeited it. But Mr. Perfect was your ultimate charismatic, over the top showman. Uh, he could sell uh, like no other. He made every, anybody he wrestled look like a million bucks. I mean, he was Shawn Michaels before Shawn Michaels was Shawn Michaels. And he, <laughs> say he, Shawn Michaels uh, again. Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels. There we go. <laughs> But Mr. Perfect, he was your, uh, his character was obviously, I'm Mr. Perfect, I can do everything. And when they introduced this character, he came in doing these uh, video vignettes of him playing basketball or shooting, shooting free throws from the free throw line and never missing a, a basket. Or he would uh, shoot a game of pool and never miss uh, any shot, never scratch or anything. And uh, he'd throw darts and he'd get bullseyes every time, that kind of thing. Uh, he did one segment actually where they had him on a on a football field, and I forget what what the uh, like real football player was that they had. They would have like a, a real athlete show up with him, like uh, Don Mattingly did vignettes with him when they were doing baseball stuff. But for this one, for the football one, they had uh, Mr. Perfect stand at one end of the of the field, 
throw a ball and run to the other end to catch his own his own passes and that would be his way of saying look i'm absolutely perfect that's wonderful (laughs) yes so so do you think so mr perfect i can imagine is a very like polarizing character for that reason Mm -hmm. because he you know is mr perfect so you know mr perfect and you know oh i can't stand him because like he's just he's too good to be true i have the same type of emotions towards superman personally um but do you think like mr perfect like as a whole was also a way to get you know more women viewers in because he's an attractive man and is also you know every woman wants to marry a mr perfect True. It's odd, though, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about women with his character. <laughs> there really wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he gave off the, the, just the persona of being absolutely perfect. When he would do things in the ring, he would just make everything look crisp and, and neat. Now, Bret Hart, actually, though, was more of the ladies' uh, choice, I guess. He had an enormous amount of, of, fan, of female fans, so he was actually more of the uh, the fangirl you know type i guess you would say okay yeah maybe it was the uh the sphinx or the jumpsuit he had on just wasn't doing it for him <laughs> could have been he was all, he was he was too busy working out you know he so, didn't have time for the ladies did the hitman's persona come because he was a ladies man could have been that could be a possibility what do you think i mean what do you think brought him that hitman well the whole from what i know from uh like the whole Brett the Hitman heart, they made his character kind of like a like a striker. He was supposed to be. This is before MMA was a thing, but he was uh, more of a mat wrestler. So he was supposed to be able to just he could take you out any way you know possible. Whether it's you know two minutes into the match, twenty minutes of the match, he could take you down in no time. Um, that was kind of his gimmick was just being you know a mat wrestler, not so much the high flyer, which. Perfect wasn't really the high flyer, but he did do a few aerial stuff. But that was the whole thing as far as the Hitman was that he could just take you out uh, in no time. So he was just like a literal, quote unquote, Hitman, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who was the more technically superior wrestler? It's tough to say. When you watch this match, um, There, the sad thing is uh, this match took place after... Uh, Mr. Perfect had already suffered a back injury and the, everyone deals with injuries in wrestling, of course. Uh, just no, the human body is not meant to do or take what these guys put their bodies through, no matter how long your career is. And uh, Perfect had uh, numerous injuries, mainly his back. And uh, this was actually his last match after this. After this match, he had to go out for, I think he was out for about a year and he had back surgery, rehab and everything. And he was able to come back, I want to say it was like end of 92, roughly, that he finally came back. So it was over a year. Um, but these two had matches starting in uh, 1989 throughout 91. And the reason I know this is uh, you can read this in uh, Bret Hart's book. But I got to meet uh, Bret Hart in 2014. He was here in Houston at the Comapalooza, uh Convention. And I brought along his book to get autographed because I actually read this entire book and I thought it was amazing. I, I highly recommend you read it if you if you read wrestling novels and uh, autobiographies. Uh, his actually was good. And I got that autographed, but uh, they had 8 by 10 photos at the table in front of his uh, signing area. And thankfully they had a picture of him 
putting Mr. Perfect in the sharpshooter from this match at 91 uh, SummerSlam. And I was like, oh, it's fate. I got to get this uh, this photo uh, autographed by him, too. So I bought that as well. And I had a chance to actually talk with him for a little while. The, the line had died down by the time I got to his uh, signing area, thankfully, the afternoon time. And so the big crowds had come and gone. So you were able to talk more to the people as you, know, you get stuff signed. And mm-hmm. I showed him the picture. He laughed. He smiled at it, like going, "Oh, okay, cool. This is a great picture they got." And I said, "Yeah." I said, "I had to get this picture." I said, "This was, you know, this is like, you know, to me, one of the greatest matches of all time. Let alone your, you know, one of your greatest matches." And he looked at it for a little while, and he looks at me. He's like, "You know what? Sadly, Mister Perfect, he passed away in two thousand three." And he's like, "If I could go back and wrestle right now, it'd be him. This is the the one guy I would I would say, let me have another match. If I could have one more, this would be who I'd wrestle in, in a heartbeat." Uh, just because they wrestled hundreds and hundreds of times, he said, uh, leading up to this match. And then, unfortunately, at the time, Perfect was so banged up and beat up that they couldn't put on the match that he that he thought he should put on with Brett. But they still had an amazing match, I think. It was incredible. Uh, but apparently, according to Brett Hardy, he's like, this match was great, but the ones we had at all these house shows uh, throughout the years leading up to this one, they just, they're, you know, amazing outrageous just you know way beyond this one which i'm like i want to see that if i could (laughs) (laughs) that's wow and that's something coming from the guy who wrestled some of the greatest wrestlers of all time throughout his career yeah yeah i mean and that's saying something if he could pick one to be mr perfect yeah and it says a lot about the person mr perfect there okay you hear things about pro athletes i'm gonna lump all athletes together from boxers to baseball players to football player basketball you hear goods and bads about all these athletes in, in our in our world how you'll hear so and so oh they're a great player but man have you ever heard about how they are off the field man they just you know they're rude obnoxious they do horrible things whatever uh there's wrestlers like that as, as well there's people that are good and bad there's people you hear you know they're just not they don't have a great personality outside of the wrestling ring and that's fine Mr. Perfect was somebody that nobody had anything bad to say about him. He was, you know, he was your friend, mentor. The biggest thing he he would have anybody ever uh, complain about him is he was a prankster. He loved to pull jokes and pranks on people all in the, you know, good sport. Not, Not heinous or malicious, just, you know, funny things just to, you know, get a chuckle out of everyone else. Uh, But nothing to, it wasn't like bullying, nothing like that at all. Uh, But he was always... Huh? Go ahead. Well, I, I want to ask about the pranks just because, like, I'm I'm always down for a good prank. What have you heard of any of the pranks that he's pulled, and uh, like, any that I, like stuck out to you, maybe? Let's see here. Hmm. Yes, I'm asking. I mean, you they... to reach into the recesses of the brain today. <laughs> right, right. Let's see here. Let me dive into. Let's see. Well, I mean, he did things like. Uh... <laughs> Uh, people, okay, whenever they're wrestling, they have all their uh, travel stuff uh, in the back in the locker room, something like that. So when you're out at the ring, you know, you hope nothing happens to your, your stuff, of course. Uh, he loved to have uh, padlocks, and he'd go and padlock people's uh, bags shut to where they couldn't open their bags and you wouldn't have a key or the combination. So you you go wrestle, and you come back, and you're wearing just your, your tights, and you're soaked in sweat. You want to grab a shower and put your you know street clothes on, but... You go over to your bag, and your bag is completely locked up, and you can't get to your stuff unless you tear open your bag or find out whoever did it. Chances are it's perfect. you got to find him, but he's already left the, the building probably, so you can't even get, get after him to, to find <laughs> out what's going on. 
Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he do things like that. Uh, I know he did like shred up somebody's uh, clothing one time, so they had to, you know, they they go to reach into their bag and they pull out their pants and they're like shredded. So you're walking around with shredded jeans after that, or yeah, you know, something like that effect, where you're just like, okay, what else am I to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So and I think that kind of also just, you know, kind of tying back into what you had said about like what it says about him, like you know, behind the scenes. Right. But I also think just like hearing, you know, all those comments about him, just like the relationship I'm sure he had with everyone that he wrestled with too. Because I know it's not just like, oh, I'm just gonna like run into you here. We're gonna rehearse it really quick and then we're calling it a day. Because I I know that you know there's a huge community that's you know not just you know outside of the ring, but also people that are involved in it. Right. So, like and, just it speaks volumes to who you know all the relationships I'm you know I'm sure he's had with people. Right, and and I think it says a lot about how you know what Brett said as far as you know how how many great matches they had and like house shows. Of course, they you know back in the day you'd have three or four house shows a week you're wrestling in. These are non televised, just for the live audience, and then you have maybe TV tapings. Uh, twice a month to you know two maybe three times a month you do a tape you know tapings for a whole month worth of shows then you have the pay-per-views only once every three months so you're really doing a lot you know just at a house house show level but he's putting all that wear and tear and then he injured his back and he could have easily just you know you know what i can't wrestle this match uh you know let's let's do some kind of storyline where i forfeit the title they could do a, a a vacant title match or a tournament, something like that. But no, he was like, no, I'm going to suck it up. And I'm going to give, you know, Brett the best match he can possibly have. And this was Brett's chance to step up to be the next, you know, level. Um, so yeah, he's like, you know, I have to do this for Brett and it's good for the good of the company as well as for Brett Hart. He deserves this. So he still went out and put on the best match he possibly could. And I still think it's one of the greatest matches of all time. Well, that's awesome. I think, before we get into our our big numero uno, the big Kahuna, what kind of honorable mentions do you think we should cover? Okay, so me, I don't look at just match quality as far as the wrestling uh, being the main focus. It's just more about you know what kind of interesting you know moments took place at the uh, pay per view. Uh, one match in particular that stands out is from SummerSlam 1991, the same year as the Bret Hart Mr. Perfect match. It was a loser spends the night in jail match. Big Boss Man versus the Canadian Mountie. And this match was hilarious because it literally had a winner and then a loser would spend the night in jail. And uh, <laughs> they had like actual uh, jail. Well, I mean, they filmed a or wrestling filmed... jail. No, they they literally had the okay. Big Boss Man won the match, and as soon as the match was over, uh, Big Boss Man, of course, his character was like a cop. He was dressed like a just a regular highway patrolman, and the Mounties looking like a Canadian Mountie. And Big Boss Man, he pinned the Mountie. As soon as the three count ended, Boss Man grabbed some handcuffs. He handcuffed the Mountie, and there's cops and a cop car right there. Uh, actually, I think they had a cop uh, a, a van. And they toss them in the back of a paddy wagon and drive them off. And throughout the rest of the pay review, they would go on location and you'd see, oh, here's uh, the Mountie arriving at the jail. Then they, they you know, escort him into the, uh, to, into the jail. 
they pro you know process him they fingerprint him he's screaming and crying and and you know making a big fuss about it because he's like ah this isn't fair this isn't right and he lost the match fair and square of course but uh he gets uh photographed and you know, his mug shots his fingerprints gets tossed into a cell with a uh, very friendly leather clad cellmate who uh flirts <laughs> with him a lot <laughs> oh wow oh that's wonderful yeah i mean i it's just like it was a perfect combination of you know wrestling plus the the comedy that you enjoy with the wrestling a lot of times they go too far it gets too cheesy but they did it right with this one it just was you know pure entertainment at its best showmanship they yeah. they brought in they brought in the drama they brought in the humor shakespeare would be proud yep and then if you know anything about uh, WWF uh, commentators, they had uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, one of the greatest managers of all time, but also, in my opinion, one of the greatest commentators of all time. He's on commentary along with uh, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper throughout the show, and I think Gorilla Monsoon, but Roddy Roddy Piper, of course, one of the greats of all time. He's on commentary as well, and they're talking about what the bounty's going through as they're watching the video with us, and the commentary they provide is just awesome where it's just like, Oh, he's not, you know, he's going to have a fun night tonight in jail. And, you know, I wonder what, wonder what they're going to be doing after we uh, shut the cameras off. And, you know, just little hints like that of like, Oh, Mountie's in for a rough night. Did, did they make a don't drop the soap reference? I want to say they like, probably did. I wouldn't be, okay. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> um, yeah. I have a quick aside question for you since you had mentioned uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes. What do you think of Ronda Rousey using the Rowdy name? I I'm totally fine with it because uh, he she asked him if it, if she could use it. Okay. Yeah. Before he uh, this is years ago. Whenever she was still in uh, MMA, uh, she Wait, you mean she, still relevant? <laughs> I think right? she's still kind you know, of relevant. Yeah. She. I mean, she just she just had a great uh, year and a half in WWF. She's probably going to mm -hmm. be coming back very soon as well. Okay. Yeah. But no, I, I'm fine with it because uh, I know she was a huge fan of wrestling, and uh, she asked him personally if she could use that for her her name in uh, the UFC, and then she brought that with her and made more of a character out of it with uh, her WWE run recently too. Would you say she lives up to that moniker, uh, or I is think it, so. or maybe going to? I wouldn't say if she has yet. Maybe if she, you think she has the potential to live up to that name. I think so because. Uh, she was a such a heel. I mean, heel and face is a, are terms primarily used just for wrestling. But I mean, let's be honest. In the last twenty years, with the way wrestling has been so much more of an influence on every other thing in our culture, uh, especially with other sports like football players emulating Ric Flair and so so many other things. You can compare. Baseball players will win in exactly. Yeah, uh, like Ronda in MMA. If you watch any of her her uh, promos leading up to the UFC fights, she was a heel. She she could talk and talk and talk. Now she didn't have the greatest last couple of fights, obviously, but before that, you know, she did. You know, she was very dominant in her you know field, but she was a total heel. She'd go in and just talk trash, and then you know kick some ass. And Piper was the same way. He would talk, 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 but he'd get in that ring and he'd just unload. And Piper never cared if he won or lost, even though he hardly actually lost matches. Uh, he just cared about getting in a fight. And I think the bad thing that they did with Ronda this past year and a half that she was on WWE is they tried scripting her just like they do everyone else. And she doesn't need a script. She can talk on her own. 
Master Sass, hey. Yeah, she can <laughs> yeah. talk on her own for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, she doesn't need to be scripted. I think she just needs to know what kind of character she's supposed to play. Yeah. Maybe she should practice some D&D role-playing, and maybe that'll help build her character a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, I see you dumped all of your stats into charisma and strength. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got a negative two con. We're going to need to... We're going to need to work on that. <laughs> so, um, I guess, are there any other honorable mentions you've got? Uh, yeah, there's a, uh, this one was on the uh, WWE website list, but it didn't make my top, my top picks, but uh, it was the uh, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar SummerSlam 2013. It was a great match. It was a no DQ match. Probably Brock Lesnar's best match uh, since he came back to WWE in 2012 after also him leaving UFC. Uh, SummerSlam 2000. Didn't What's CM that? Punk go to UFC? And then CM Punk went to the UFC. Um, he was there, and uh, he was there. He may have done something. He got to <laughs> he got to walk out to the ring and or to the octagon, and he got to smile, and then he got his ass whooped, and then <laughs> he got punched in the face. And then they they signed him for another fight, and he got to go to the ring and get his ass whooped, and that was about it. And he's not back in WWE, is he? No, uh, I'll be very surprised if he does come back to WWE. Everyone is always speculating that. It's it's hilarious. If you watch any Raw or SmackDown or WWF pay-per-view right now, or WWE pay-per-view, I always say WWF. Everyone, by the way, WWF is the name of the company from years ago. And then right, the, that's how I remember it is the right. WWF. I still don't call it the WWE. I think when you I, and I talk, I call it WWF. I, I, I hate saying WWE. It, WWE now stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm like, no, just World Wrestling Federation. But they had to stop doing it because of the World Wildlife Fund, which I'm like, isn't that WWLF? But whatever. Um, yeah. Well, no, yeah. because they wanted they wanted the simple moniker. And I know that they... I remember that whole debacle of when it switched from WWF to WWE. And then yeah. the World you know, Wildlife Federation just started putting that panda with WWF everywhere to be like, look, we earned this. And then like after like a couple years after that whole like scandal, like kind of waned away, they didn't really use it as much. So it was all nope. for now. It was. Yeah. It yep. Oh, but about CM Punk though, uh, he just signed a appearance at uh, what's called Starcast. It's a uh, kind of like a wrestling convention where you go to meet, you know, stars and get autographs and photos and such. And he'll be there uh, in October, I think, is when Starcast is. I could be wrong, but I think it's October. And the the you know the rumor mill is buzzing about this now because it's the first wrestling thing that CM Punk has done since leaving WWE in 2014. So people are speculating because AEW is uh, working along with the Starcast promotion. People are speculating, oh, this is how we're going to finally get Punk to join another wrestling company, which. It's 50-50 if that happens. I think it would be incredible if they can get him to go back to wrestling. Uh, he doesn't have to. You know, he, he's, he made a lot of money in WWE. He was the champion for you know a long time, so he definitely got all his money he needs. Uh, his wife has also retired from wrestling. They both you know, made a lot of money, so they're set for life. They don't really have to work if they you know just live a very normal life, not extravagant. They're not that kind of people, so. I would say it's like how they were raised, you know, but we like rent out billboards across the 
the skyline of the city I call home, I think, you know, maybe he should just get a little bit extra money because billboards in the Chicago skyline are not not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and I will forever be salty about it. Forever <laughs> salty. Well, what I what I think is awesome is that he left WWE in like January of 2014, right after the Royal Rumble, and he's been gone ever since. He has not appeared on WWF television since, and still to this day, fans will begin chanting CM Punk, CM Punk during random matches, or if there's like a really boring segment on show going on, the fans will just begin chanting CM Punk, and it's like okay they're the people are not gonna let this go you know just pay the man what he wants and you'll get you know the following to happen at your your company something like that would you know be a no-brainer right yeah if the fans want him i don't see why they wouldn't want to bring him back other than the fact they don't want to pay him well you know vince man he's he's done it before where people say you know never say never he's brought back people that you know he you thought would never ever be connected to the company again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, such as such as Ultimate Warrior, Jeff Jarrett, and so many others, but they've come back, and so never say never. True. So I think that brings us to our number one slot on this list, which is Bret Hart from number two versus the British Bulldog, another intercontinental championship match. One year later. In 1992. Yes, and there's a lot to talk about this match. I'm going to try to not go too long, but it's kind of hard because there is a lot to, t- to say about this matchup. No worries. <laughs> I'm interested because it's a title defense match for Bret Hart. Yes, so uh, starting from uh, SummerSlam 91, Bret Hart did win the title against Mr. Perfect, so he won the Intercontinental title for the first time there and had his you know first run as champion. He lost the title at a house show a week before the 1992 Royal Rumble, and then he ended up winning it back at WrestleMania 8 against uh, Roddy Roddy Piper, which was also a great match. Um, so Bret Hart, again, is champion from WrestleMania 8 up to August uh, for this pay-per-view. And originally, this pay-per-view was... Uh, okay, first of all, the pay-per-view was held in Wembley Stadium in London. And originally, it was booked to take place in Washington, D.C. That's where they first were going to have SummerSlam 1992. Okay. Okay, so originally booked for this match, uh, for this show, they were going to do a Intercontinental title match with a ladder match being the stipulation for the first time ever. They had never done a ladder match. Uh, That's a very common thing now. Right. And if you're not familiar with what a ladder match is, that basically is you take a title or a briefcase or whatever is on the line and you hang it above the center of the ring usually about 15 feet up and then you have a ladder nearby or dozens of ladders like near nowadays and the point is to climb the ladder and retrieve the title or belt or whatever you have hanging there before your opponent can simple simple yes stop the guy get the belt and the original plans were they were going to have bret hart versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title. That was the original plan. That sounds like that would have been a good match. It would have been. Uh, they actually had the first ladder match that WWE have had. They did one at a house show, and the backstory on this is they had ladder matches in Canada at Bret Hart's father's wrestling company, and Bret Hart was the one that suggested, 
doing a ladder match in WWF. And Vince McMahon was like, I don't understand this. What is, what is, what's a ladder match? And Brett was like, okay, fine. Can Sean and I do one? Brett was the Intercontinental Champion at the time. So they did a ladder match at a show just a few months prior to this uh, pay-per-view here. And right. Vince was like, okay, I like it. But then they changed the venue's location and they decided to have uh, SummerSlam in Wembley Stadium. When that happened, they were like, well, we need a, a, like a hometown favorite to you know headline this show. And they decided to go with British Bulldog because he's obviously from London, England. So you're going to have a hometown favorite guy there, put him in the main show and in the main match. And you're going to have you know, the more people show up to buy tickets, obviously. You know what that sounds like, Nancy? What? Marketing. <laughs> How do we get more viewers? Was any, so tea once, spilt? Huh? was any tea spilt during this match? Did we have no. a revolution on our hands? No, no, no. We, they, they, there were other uh, substances involved in this, but not uh, no tea. Oh, no. I'm always for the tea, though. <laughs> <laughs> So this match uh, got booked for Bret Hart versus British Bulldog Intercontinental title. And it was the first time the Intercontinental title was in the main event spot for a <laughs> WWF pay-per-view. It had always been either the WWF title or something to do with Hulk Hogan in the main event always. Oh my, okay. So first time ever, main event. You have, they advertised there was like 85,000 people in the arena, which I'm sure it was more than that, but... Uh, True, true story. Brett, you know about Vince McMahon. He doesn't like to have things done any way that he can't control. And uh, if you've ever heard about WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome, they had ninety three thousand people there, and there's still speculation that those numbers were blown up. Uh, that there was actually maybe only like seventy something thousand or so forth. But okay. when they had Wembley, which to me seems like a bigger arena, and like I don't know, to me whenever you see like Live Aid which had just taken place, I think, months prior to this at uh, Wembley. Uh, to me, it looks like there's well over 100,000 people in the attendance that, I, I think. I don't know. There looks Yeah, Wembley could hold over around 100,000, if not more. Right. Huge, and New Wembley's even bigger. Yeah. And if you see just like an aerial shot of the arena at the show, it looks like there's got to be closer to a hundred thousand than than the 80,000 they advertised, but they didn't want anything else to be bigger than that. WrestleMania. I don't know. Petty stuff, but that's, that's a man. Uh, so anyways, for this match, they had to obviously do everything they could to make sure it was an amazing match. Cause it's the main event. First time ever intercontinental title, uh, being in the main event. And these two guys were headlining the pay-per-view. So you had to really make sure it was a great match. So, Obviously, we all have talked about this before, how wrestling, in my opinion, wrestling is not fake. It is predetermined, and the wrestlers do have to plan somewhat what's going to happen in the match uh, to get from point A to point Z and everything in the middle. I you would know, figure say out. It's scripted is a good way to put it. It is, yes. Well, Bret Hart is, uh, he, he wrote the, about this in his book, and he's been on different documentaries about this, saying how he had all these ideas... And he kept telling Bulldog, okay, uh, we need to set some time to uh, plan out what we're going to do for this match. You know, we need to know what kind of spots we're going to do and, uh, you know, figure everything out. And Bulldog was uh, saying continuously, yeah, 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 we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Uh, the night before the show, they still had not done any, quote, rehearsal, practice, 
prep work, nothing, uh, because Bulldog was too busy getting stoned with uh, Jim DeAnvil Nightheart. Uh, okay. And he was just too busy uh, drinking cocaine, whatever else they could pop, any kind of pills and whatnot. So, yeah, Bulldog was just full-blown lit uh, the night before. The day of the show, Bulldog shows up at the arena. Brett's like, where have you been? What's going on? Bulldog is completely hungover and not in any good shape at all. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's those so, other substances you were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> Bulldog was in no shape at all to go over anything leading up to the actual match. So Bret Hart called this entire match in the ring during the match. So everything, when you, if you watch this match, uh, Bret Hart is telling him everything step by step. Okay, this is what we're doing next, next, next. And Bulldog's just like, listen, you know, I have to listen to whatever he says because I don't know anything that we're doing. That's what makes it so great to find it on top of the list of so many great greatest of all time lists because so many things could have gone wrong with this match. Very much so. I mean, it's a, it's amazing that Bulldog even made it to the ring. He he could have even not made it to the arena that day. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the photo on the WWE website right now of the British Bulldog looking like he's about to get slammed, but like just like the look of intoxicated regret in this photo. (laughs) Yeah, he's looking straight down just like, what, what the, what the fool, what, what the fool? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it is, this is art. This, this belongs, this is a Renaissance painting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get it blown up and put on the wall. We can deconstruct it later. Right. So, Mr. PC and J. Yes. With this being the number one, I do have one question about this match particularly. Is there mm-hmm. anything about this match that you wish would have been done different or could have changed that you think may have made it better than how it had, like, despite all the drama, just the match in general, is there anything you wish, you, like, was different about it? Uh. Now that I know, because they didn't reveal the plans until way later, as far as the original plans, it would have been awesome to see a ladder match at SummerSlam. That the first ladder match in WWF that you see on television didn't happen until WrestleMania 10 in 1994, so it was a couple years later. So that would have been interesting to see a ladder match introduced uh, so early at, in '92. Um, the other thing I didn't, the main thing I didn't care about this matchup, as far as the buildup. Um, okay, now in real life, British Bulldog and Bret Hart are brother-in-laws. Uh, Bulldog married Brett's one of Brett's many sisters, but he, she married her, his sister. And she was brought in at some point during the build-up for this match where they had her on uh, whatever show they were doing. And they interviewed her you know, to get her feelings and who will she be cheering for? She can be cheering for her brother or her husband and and she was trying to play the like, oh, I feel, you know, so torn. It's going to wreck the family. And I was like, you didn't really need to bring all this family drama into this one. And she was not good on camera. So I didn't care for any time she was on there. I just thought it was blah, you know, acting. And so I would have done away with that. They could have just done more of a one-on-one personal rivalry between Brett and Bulldog. But we got that later on what we talked about earlier already on the previous episode about the Brett versus Owen stuff. We already got, we got that later on, but I think they could have done that here earlier with Bulldog and, and uh, Brett. Awesome. I think, 
that is going to be where we end this. It has been a wonderful list. It's been one heck of a ride. And now it's time to get hyped for SummerSlam. Yeah, so I think we'll be back for a part four. I think we're going to go with part four here. We're going to get into Mr. Junkie's list and go over that and talk a little bit about the current edition of SummerSlam. Um, just kind of see if there's any matches going on that may pique his interest that he thinks you should keep an eye on. Um, I guess until the next one. Well, I would say that was pretty entertaining. And I would say now it is time for us to get into a different type of entertainment with some video game news. What say you, Corey? <laughs> I mean, I would say it was entertaining, not entertaining. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> you're only going to get that out of me once per episode, so we're not going to waste it here. <laughs> I suppose I will waste some time, though, and talk about a friend of mine's favorite game company making a new game. Oh? Apparently Riot's got a new AP in the works in this week's video game news. Really? So you're talking about Riot as in the makers of League of Legends, right? Yeah, now they're making a fatten game. I mean, isn't League of Legends just a strategy fighting game? You still bop people. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is more 2D fighter because it was announced by the founder of EVO. <laughs> at EVO. Oh, so that's actually kind of a big deal. So, yeah. Riot's making a fighting game. Kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of spin they put on a fighting game. Because fighting games have been around forever. Hey, Corey. What? What was your first fighting game you ever played? Uh, um, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I'm making you think. The one I can remember the most vividly and other than Mortal Kombat was Clay Fighter. Clay Fighter, what? Yeah, Clay Fighter. So old. Well, it was that and Killer, <laughs> In Killer Instinct was a lot of fun. I played a lot of 2D fighters on the SNES and in the arcades, but yeah, I think the, my first one I can vividly just remember playing a lot was Clay Fighter. I liked playing as Snowman. <laughs> because you lived in Arizona and there's no such thing as snow. There's snow in Arizona. Go to Flagstaff, homie. I've never been to Arizona. I just know it's a desert. Half of it is. The other half's mountainy trees and pine. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, Cover you girl. know what? You want to know my real feelings about this Riot news? What you got? I don't really care. The Nintendo news we got so much better. Well, then let's hop into Nintendo then. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Hey, it's my. Maya, tennis <laughs> games are free for a short time on the Switch. <gasps> that means I can actually play Mario Tennis Aces spending it's a, $60. It's, a, it's, right, Nancy. it's a free from the 7th to the, uh, the 13th, and you can ask uh, Mario. Mario, all about it. Oh, Mario. Mario, no, Mario. So, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> during the trial time, it's also 33% off its full price. I think this is cool. I'm really happy that they're doing a, a trial because I I own a lot of the Switch games already. You and I have had conversations about this, and I know where you stand where you're not going to rebuy games, but I don't have that issue, but whatever. But I want to play Mario Tennis Aces, but I didn't want to spend the full price on it because I'm like, it's a tennis game. And like, I've been burned by Mario sport games in the past. 
All I want is Mario Superstar Baseball to come back to the Switch, and then they can take my money, and I'll never complain again about their sports games. <laughs> well, because of course, it's a baseball be a game, because that's... Well, and it wouldn't be a port, because they haven't released one since the Wii. Oh, well, then there you Yeah, there you go. See, um, would actually come back. No, this is cool, though. I want to see what other games they bring to it. Like, you get two weeks to play the game, the whole game. Your data saves, and if you buy it, you get to use your data that you've already got. Like, it's a win-win. Yeah. It's included with your Switch Online. You get uh, about two weeks to play it. Yeah. No, you get so a week, you get a week to, to play it. You get yeah, seven it's days. enough time. Yeah, It's enough time for, like, you to get a feel for it, see if you really like it. And I think this is great for all the parents that own Switches for their children. And they're like, you know, how kids are where they're into one thing for a moment and then like 20 seconds later, they're over it. So this how is a great are. way I think to- we're still that same way. <laughs> Very much oh. so that same way. I, I mean, I am, but less so now that I've got, you know, two like teenagers running around. A little bit more like set and like, nope, this is just, this is it now. I've committed because I've got to teach them commitment somehow. Yep. The next, you know what the next step is after that? <sighs> what? Oh man, I can't wait. The sweet release of death. Please take yeah. me. Don't grab an extra <laughs> life. No, take me away. <laughs> so speaking of death, let's talk about Smash Bros. Yeah, it's an emo or Evo, not emo. Wow. I'm an emo. I'm an yeah. emo kid. <laughs> I know you are. It's forever okay. an emo kid. I, I will fly the black flag forever. Take me to the black parade. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Smash Bros is center stage at Evo this year, and that's huge. What makes it huge? Well, it's Smash at the center stage of the fighting game Mecca. For the first time ever, it knocked, put it in perspective, Street Fighter came out, what, how many years ago Street Fighter 5 came out? A while ago? A long time ago? Um, Everything's long in the day of the internet. Yeah, well, <laughs> since it came out, it has been the center stage highlight of Evo. Oh, so since 2016. So for, that's like a solid, like, three-year run, well, two-year 3, run technically. 492 people are competing in this year's Smash Ultimate Tournament at EVO as compared to 1,929 competing in Street Fighter V. Oh, so it's really bumped everything up in, in participation and everything. So, it's be good. And because Melee yeah. has been pulled from EVO, pour one out for the old boy. Oh man, Melee's officially retired. Yeah, like well, that game's almost twenty years old. I so I'm well aware. Yeah, it it had a long run. It was like, um, one of the wrestlers that we talked about <laughs> that needed to uh just really retire because you you only had like a couple good moves and then you were done. Most wrestlers that are about that age need to probably retire. I would say. Right, because then but... you retire, and then you die. Yay. <laughs> Kind of like oh. in Smash. You get hit, you die. Anyway, so yeah, Smash taking center stage at Evo is going to be tight. going to be fun. I wonder how everyone else is doing with their Smashing. I know I haven't touched the game in a little while because I've been trying to make this Mario Maker level. 
It's coming, I promise. And I've already I'm released for weeks now. two in this time frame. I know, but like, I'm making this it, level like really good. Like, boss you probably level haven't good. even played mine yet. Shh. And remember, you still have to beat that level to put it online. Oh, I know. I'm not that bad. Uh huh. A little bit more practice now. Thank you very much. Stop calling me out on the internet. So. <laughs> I know, until you can play my level and beat it, I'm going to have to. Fine, I'll work on it. Jeez. So more Nintendo news. Yeah, the light switch is available for pre-order. There you go. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> go light switch. You can go by Mario Maker and play my level before Miss Nancy does. Yeah. Beat me. Call me out on internet. Like, you know, he's doing right now. You can yeah. at me on Instagram. Because I don't really use my Twitter. But you can at me on Twitter, too. But you beat it before me. So go ahead. Bring it on. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling you out until you do it because you haven't beaten it yet. And it's been like two, three weeks at this point. You know what? I'm sorry. I got other things going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, but enough to work on your Mario Maker level. I get it. I get it. No, I honestly don't care. I'm just going to keep calling you out. Just like Gogeta Blue wants to hit people in the face when he comes to Dragon Ball Fighters this year. Oh, that's officially a thing now? Yeah, Gogeta Blue and Janemba gameplay trailer dropped at Evo. And he looks pretty. He's going to Kamehameha people in the dick. End of story. I mean, that's the only proper way to Kamehameha someone, right? You're not riding right. a Kamehameha wave, you Kamehameha. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's about it for video game news. I got nothing else, do you? Uh, no. I think this is a nice way to wrap it up. So, go play those levels and... Go Gogeta Blue. Yeah. So, Miss Nancy, do you want to tell me about your PSA today? Because I know you've got, I got a good one, right? So, it's Shark Week while recording this. And boy, do I have a doozy of a PSA of the day. So, get this, Corey. So, in North, <laughs> in North Florida. So, of course, it's got to be Florida because, you know, how I love my Florida men. Well, at so, least it's it, North and not South Florida. Yeah, so it's a little better. Like on the, the Florida scale, it's, you know, it's just a little up uh, up above, you know. And that's a logic. Yeah, uh, above the tip, physical. above the tip. <laughs> Don't know how I wanted to phrase that, so that's fine. We'll fix this. So this Florida man, who is a professional professional surfer. Where's that three times fast. I don't think I can. <laughs> So yeah, his name is Frank O'Rourke. Yes, O'Rourke. Like Beto O'Rourke, but not a politician. So he's 23 I... years old and was surfing in Jacksonville, Florida. And he got bit by a shark. Oh, damn. I know. Uh, but to be honest, death by shark would be the best way to go. Because then but he got like one heck of a story. I know for me, definitely. Like, it's like, gotta be who's going to listen to your story? You're dead. Who's going to listen to your story? The people that tell the story. But what if nobody like, oh, sees so it? No, someone's got us. It's a shark attack. Someone always sees a shark attack. And it's not like I'm wandering out into the ocean by myself. I mean, <laughs> it's you. I wouldn't put it past you. Also true. But no, I would make sure there was a witness. Like if I knew it was about my because time to go. you see it swim by and be like, oh, I'm going to go pet the little bopper and you're going to go just try to pet him on the snoot. And he's going to put your hands off. 
Yeah, you're gonna so bite sweet. your hand off, and nobody's gonna be around to see it, and you're gonna bleed out in the ocean. Well, then they'll find my body, and then they'll be like, "Oh, this was definitely a shark thing." And there you go. So, back to Mr. O'Rourke here. Um, so he was. I'm guessing he didn't um, die of the shark bite. He he did not die of the shark bite, and that's what makes this story awesome because he was very chill about the entire ordeal, and he was like. You know, I guess the shark had just bit me and then just said, nope, which is what sharks do. They're just curious little water puppers. It's fine. So he got back to, you know, got back to shore and everything. Great. And then he went up to a lifeguard and he's like, I think I got bit. And then everyone started freaking out. Um, so then the lifeguard like patched him up and everything was fine and dandy. And then instead of going to the ER, like the lifeguard told him to, well, I went to the bar. And was getting free drinks all night. The Adventures of High Florida Man continue. That's what it is. It's the Adventures of High Florida Man. He got bit by a shark, went to the bar, and was probably high as fucking Florida. I envy him. That's the best way to live a life. Or live your life, I should say. So, I guess my PSA of the day is, if you get bit by a shark, go get free booze. Yeah, fuck the hospital. Yeah. Is that our PSA? Yeah, fuck the hospital. <laughs>